<laughs> well, I just opened it. It's not like I've been drinking it all day. Come on now. It's time for Loud Pipes. The podcast that brings you the best conversations relating to motorcycles, the riding experience, and other motoring adventures. Here are your hosts for this episode, Rich Warfield, Rico Hogan, and John Maracle. Pipes episode 107. We have another guest in the house tonight. We're going to be talking about Shade Tree Mechanic, if you are one, if that's a good thing or not. It's getting colder, but we're still riding and the beers are cold as well. Brother Hogan, how are you? It's raining over here, baby. It's, just, it's chilling over here. Been stuck in the house all day for most of the part. So, uh, it's got my rum and coke this evening, Havana Club. In Coca-Cola. Oh, <laughs> hard liquor, hard liquor. Mm-hmm. Very nice, very nice. Well, let's move up Move up to my east, just a skosh. Mr. Maracle, how are you, buddy? I'm doing okay. <laughs> Did I throw you off and not giving you six nicknames tonight? A little bit. <laughs> and beverage, beverage? I'm partaking with Rico's, and I'm having some rum and Coke. <laughs> oh, Yeah. What kind of rum? Uh, Captain Morgan's. Captain Morgan. He likes it spicy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And how are you, my sir, and and everything going on with you? I'm doing well, and I've got a, a big growler of beer for tonight. You, you didn't spill it over your bike? So that's going to make it interesting. <laughs> well, no, I, I, did spill, I did spill just a little bit of it, but um, was that... Uh, Nota Brewing, when was that, last night? Yes. I guess it was last night. And, you know, met uh, one of our riders, met Steve up there, hung out with him for a little bit. And the Oktoberfest is so good. I had a growler of it last week, so I decided to bring another one home. Figure why not? Got a boy. But uh, I think I was telling John, I had it in the small bag on the back of my bike. And I don't know if the cap was a little bit loose, but there's a lot of beer inside that bag now, so... It's drying nice. out today. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Sounds like an excellent Sorry to hear evening. That. <laughs> What's that, Mike? That's an excellent leather conditioner. I think so, yeah. Well, yeah, let's bring in our fourth voice for the evening. So we've got our buddy Mike from the clubhouse in here who joined us on our episode 100 live show, and we've talked about him a bunch. So, Mike, how are you this evening? Oh, I'm doing good. I'm finally able to relax from my relaxing vacation down in Florida. My first time actually doing that and had actually rode off to ever getting down to Disneyland and, or no Disney world. Disney world. Florida. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. And, uh, you know, I exhausted all my hard, hard booze. I'm down to just <laughs> wine. So I got, I just, uh, stole a bottle of half drunk um uh winking owl chardonnay from the wife. So Oh, good luck with that. Chardonnay gives me a headache. Oh, no. Hey, it's got alcohol content and until I can get back out and replenish the the ammo, it'll do. 
Very nice. All right, so we brought. Uh, oh, geez, I'm forgetting. Forgetting the buttons. New topics. So that growler is going to be bad news. <laughs> you, you think? I think. <laughs> well, I just opened it. It's not like I've been drinking it all day. Come on now. Well, if you're not aiding to the metering of the liquid and just going straight from the growler, then, yeah, you're in trouble. <laughs> no, thankfully, I am pouring it into a glass. So, Okay, as long as you're not right from the teat. Dude. Yeah, at Come least on. I can count. <laughs> right from the teeth (laughs) so yeah so we brought mike in tonight and we have an interesting topic it's um i'm gonna say philosophical i'm not sure that's necessarily what i mean to say but you know we have a topic that comes up quite a bit and a lot of times it'll have a negative connotation to it but we seem to have a, a different opinion of that and mike certainly does so we want to talk about what a shade tree mechanic is, or just the the term of shade tree in general. So, Mike, do you want to tell the story of the Capital City Bike Fest, or do you want me to start with the definition? Yeah, I definitely think we should start on the right foot here, and let's do that first definition. A person willing to learn and perform scheduled maintenance or simple repairs on their own, rather than being completely reliant on technicians who may be dishonest, careless, or ignorant. Or all of the above. You agree with that, Mike? I definitely think that that plays a, a fundamental factor in why a person chooses to be shade tree. Okay. Yeah, and I would expand that, you know, beyond automotive and just say, you know, someone who prefers to do maintenance and or repairs on their own, you know, even light fabrication to some degree. Exactly. That's exactly where I, and that's, and that's the school I come from. My father taught me way back when I was younger, before he had to go away for a while, that anything that I need to learn how to do, I should learn by looking up a book, figuring out how it's done, and get to work. Um, so a mechanic is only as good as his best book. And so I always make sure that I'm educated. And now with YouTube, everybody is able to glean pearls of wisdom on how to do things, be it from pottery to making blinds on your window or changing out an engine off, often, you know, off a Harley or, or, or your car or whatever, you know, when you take out the element of fear that you might do something wrong. And unfortunately, I mean, I, I don't know how many of you would agree, but there's a there's a problem with our newer generations that don't want to don't want to do the work. Yeah, just want everything done for for them. They don't want to do it right, and and it's not that I'm uh, I'm bashing them. It's just when there was a when there was a time that this country actually was built on the sweat of our brow, literally, and everything was manufactured in this country. Everybody had calluses and grease marks on their hands because that's how you that's how the world was turned. And it wasn't so much the rich people that, you know, that they might they might call the shots, but it's the people that actually do the work that make this world turn. 
And the more we lose those kind of people and that kind of mentality, the less and less this world turns cooperatively. You know, there's a lot of broken parts in this engine that we're already dealing with. Okay. I see where you're going with that. Now, the part of what sort of spurred the conversation came out of your experience at the Capital City Bike Fest, where you had selected a bike, and then after speaking with the builder, sort of got turned off with his attitude. So you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Here's the ugly part. So I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying a lot of these bikes that I see. And of course, the mainstream uh, number one bike that you'll see at these shows that I'm learning is these big wheel baggers. And they all have the bolt-on, either the bolt-on turbo or the bolt-on supercharger. And now they're up to a 34-inch pizza cutter in the front and big long bags that are extended all the way to, you know, maybe an inch or two of clearance mm-hmm. at the back end, you know, and really, really beautiful paint, just clean bikes. So I got up to this one guy after having gone past this one portion of the show and seeing the... And I don't know, I don't remember it. I didn't take a picture because I was kind of disgusted because it was somebody else's. And there's a, this touches on the whole shade tree thing. I saw a kit that basically allows you to cut into your frame easily. You put in this new neck. It's a neck extension to deal with the 32 or the 30, the 30 inch on up to the bigger size wheels of your bike. Instead of, hey, this is my project, this is what I'm going to do, and I'll cut it myself, I'll get my own laser, you know, that's 10 bucks at uh, a Harbor Freight, <laughs> you know, and figure it out myself. No, here's somebody else's solution, we'll just go ahead and bolt it on. Yeah. So I went to this one guy, finally, I was. it was basically the last power bagger that was on the or big wheel bagger that was that was in this one portion of the building, and he had I don't know how many mirrors under the bike, <laughs> purple, beautiful purple, um, beautiful purple paint. Yeah. And I'm looking at the mirrors, and I'm going, okay, what is he wanting me to see? Got it. And I'm not seeing anything, but hey, this is just it looks like it actually might be a rider. And sure enough, it is. And I have a lot of respect for people that will actually take a bike that they build up, they want to show it, and it's not a trailer clean. It actually is a motorcycle that they ride for transportation, at least for enjoyment. But this bike, just like any uh, all the others, looked exactly like all the others. And I said, you know what? I can't see it. I'm looking at your mirrors here. What about your bike? makes it unique from all the other big wheel baggers that are in this show. And he couldn't exactly immediately answer that. I said, and he goes, well, what do you mean? I said, of everything that's built on this bike, what did you do different that's out of the norm from the big wheel bagger? You have a turbo, you have a 32 inch wheel. I can see from the mirrors that it must be a rider. Yes. (laughs) What else is about this bike that's unique? And he goes, well, this bike wasn't built out of a house, out of a company, you know, Mm -hmm. out of a team of people 
that got together to build this bike. It's like, okay, so you're you're saying that you're more shade tree than everybody else? And he frowned and said, no, no, this ain't shade tree. I got this from my mechanic friend. It was 60% done, and we went on ahead and put the rest of it on, you know, and he finished it out. It's like, okay, so in the back of my mind, after I had initially, probably because of the lights and the glitter, I actually kind of got blinded by the by his statement because he had he had a level of pride in his saying that okay, I didn't have a team of people that actually built this bike. It was me and and two other guys, a yeah. retired mechanic and and another guy. And it's like okay, I can respect that. And because of that, I actually give him my vote. Now I'm kicking myself for ever doing that because after I left that show, what he had actually said really stuck in my cron is like wait hold on you're pissing on the whole concept of shade tree when that's exactly what you did you had somebody who's not paid to do and his profession was not to work on motorcycles Mm -hmm. built this bike up from 60 percent and all you did from what i can see is bolt on the same crap every other tom dick and harry has been put on for their big wheel baggers. Yeah, so he, he took it as an insult, it sounds like. and Yeah, he did. He took Shade Tree as non-pro. I think that's what a lot of people say is, you know, if you said Shade Tree, you would say this was done by amateurs. Right. The thing is, is that that is what Shade Tree is. It is non-pro. But guess what? That's what this custom industry has been built up that's from. Right. People that don't know crap taught themselves Jesse James is one of the best examples of this, taught themselves how to adapt the skills that they already had, which was welding and metalwork, and applied it to building a motorcycle. Tuttle Sr., that's how he started. Figured out what everybody wanted in their bikes and built it. Figured it out. Now, I'm not going to get into the minutiae of how that, (laughs) you know, OCC went wayward, but they were... The show was built on that expertise, but it's not book-learned. If it is book-learned, it's by reference for knowing what that engine is and how, how these parts fit together and how I can make them fit together, but everything else was customized. Sweat of brow, blood on knuckles, grease on palm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Go ahead, Hogan. Are you trying to get in there? No, it's just going to say, you know, even with some of the bolt-on bolt parts that you put on a bike, uh, if you're doing the majority of the, the wrenching, doesn't that still hold any value as far as being a shade treer? Definitely, definitely. You know, if you, you, know, if you, you put a bike together and you're spray painting it, you know, you're doing all your own paint, you're doing all your own bolt-on parts, whatever, you found the frame, you found the motor, you put it all together, you wired it up, I think that in itself is, you know, that's commendable, I think. Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah. The thing is that when it comes to the paint, I can understand when people will actually take that in and have somebody else professionally do that. Or even just not professionally, but somebody that has some level of skill do that for you. Because paint, especially when you're talking about multi-stage paints, although I have been away from that tech for a while. Unless they've really ramped up the technology so that you don't have issues with runoffs or blotchiness, 
because you don't know how to actually lay your paint or whatever else like that, <clears throat> those kind of mistakes get really labor intensive because you'll have a whole coat of paint and then it's like, oh, crap. Then you have to strip it off and taking off paint is a pain. So, yeah. you know, it's not like, oh, hey, I, uh, I, and I just built, I just built my Ford controls. I, I rebuilt them because I had started out with aluminum because that's all I had at the time. Another point of shade tree is what materials I had on hand at the time, what my budget could handle, I was using aluminum. And for what I built, it lasted for five years, six. And it finally got to the point that it was so sloppy that I needed to change up. So I finally got them built. Now, I'm not finished, but at least I have the structure and the bike is runnable. Yeah, I think the the main rub with the builder is that, you know, you were using shade tree as a a badge of honor and he just took it as a snub, which, you know, I'm sure then the, the whole thing kind of went south from there. Right. I mean, how, how in the world can you not take pride in your work? If you've put something, if you've put something on that you own, whatever it is, a belt on a washer, uh, on a dryer so that it can work again, you fix that. That's a badge of honor. I don't care how small you changed the light bulb. Right. Hey, you didn't have a professional come over and do it. That's a badge of honor, little as it may be because of the task, but still it's the point is there. And he poo pooed on the whole thing, which actually identified him as somebody who this is what he wanted. He had them work on it and he didn't touch one wrench to do it. That's exactly what I read from how he Hmm. conveyed his disgust or disdain about the whole uh, suggestion of shade tree, you know? Well, let's play, um, let me play devil's advocate for a second, or at least take the, the opposing view. So what you want me to yell at you? Do you? (laughs) Well, uh, and it's kind of unfair. We talked about it earlier today, but you know, what if, what if you don't have the time, the skill, or maybe even the desire. So you just trade something you have, maybe money for something you don't have, which is time and skill. So it's like, if you have a limited amount of riding time, it's like, okay, I can spend three hours this weekend working on the bike or I can have someone else do it and then I can just ride. Right. You know, that's, I think that's a fair, fair trade-off. I run into that every time I work on my bike because I have, it's my main and only means of transportation. So anything that I do on it, it has to be able to work as soon as I'm done working on it. Okay. It has to be able to get me to work. So. Got it. In my circumstance, it would actually make more sense to have somebody take care of my issues on my bike so that they're done when I wake up the next morning, right, and go to work. The thing is, is that here's the underlying point with that, with what you're talking about. I can, I can respect somebody's time constraints and not being able to do the work but do they have an understanding of what's being done so that they know what to look for when the project has been done or the issue that was worked on was worked on and they know that doesn't look right or excellent. It passes my checks Mm -hmm. because this is what I wanted to concern myself with, with this project. Yeah. So meaning don't check out if you're going to outsource it, at least you can outsource it. Don't check out. Right. You're still shade tree at that point. Hey, I know what I want. I don't have the time to do this. I need to convey this to somebody else. And that's where my money actually earns my 
accomplishment. Here's a, here's another situation I I just ran into recently. So I don't have like all my I don't have any like mechanical tools here to to really get down and dirty on 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 my SUV here. So I take it up to uh uh, uh not to put them out there, but starts with an F. <laughs> they do tires. <laughs> so I let you figure it out. <laughs> so I have them. I had them. Uh, I had them redo my entire front end. You know, shocks, control arms, ball joints, etc. Right. So as well here in in, in Costa Rica, you can kind of be there with the mechanic as he works on your car. So you know, as he does as he does one part, you know, I'm watching him put it on. And go move to the next part, put it on, check it, put it back, you know, continue on, go to the other side. So once he once he's done with one side, I go behind him and check to see if it's done right. So in my in my checks, I'm finding that he didn't put my pins back in my 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 nuts, you know. So I'm saying here, here's here's my pin. You missed you missed this point. Then he comes back, he does that, and I go around on the other side. My rotor's still loose. It wiggles, so you got to fix that. You got to, you know, take the hub off, tighten down my my tension, and uh, so it doesn't wobble. So these are things, you know, without if I didn't know, you know, what to look for, right. then that's on me because technically I know how to do all these things. So I see what you're saying. If you know how to do it, but you don't have the time, you're gonna have somebody else do it. And they're gonna do a half-assed job. You want to be able to go behind them and say, you know what, you didn't do this right because this is missing. This is still moving. You know, this is still wobbling. Blah blah blah. So you want to, you yeah, need to have that fingers. level, right? You you need to have that level of experience to be able to kind of you know tell to somebody that you you didn't do a good enough job. You know, to be able to well, you know, even though you didn't do the work, you, you, right? Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying if you, even if you don't have time to do the work, you should know how to do the work. I, I think. Or, or at least be able to look and know what to look for. Okay, and it's not so much experience. Like I said, when my father told me, "Look, you need to look at a book to see what you're supposed to do and how it's done," I would go ahead and go ahead and even with the book, I still get things wrong. But I have the book as reference that I know what I needed to do the next time or in order to take care of that same situation. With your example, you are actually, you had a rare privilege of, not a rare privilege, you have the privilege of actually being there with your mechanic. Now, thank God you're not actually making a burger because if he was to be a cook and he was watching you follow behind him, he'd be thrown in a couple spits here and there and maybe right. a hangnail <laughs> or, you know, a lock of hair or whatnot. But... Right. It's nice that you have that situation to extend your example. You leave the vehicle there. You come back to pick it up. And before you even take that thing off the property, you check it out. You wiggle things. You make, especially with your steering. I mean, you're definitely going to want to make sure that nothing is rattling. Something's rattling. Now it's going, now it's time to go ahead and go through with a fine tooth comb and make sure that things are torqued up and, and assembled right, and hey, did you come up with uh, spare parts and you know, <laughs> that kind of right. thing? You know, <laughs> right, so. right. So yeah, you know, you know, a lot of times it's hard. You you you're you're putting your trust in somebody to do a good job, and you're paying them for it. You expect them to to kind of check things over. And with my experience, especially here, is you know they'll do the work for you, 
but it's going to be not 100%. Yeah, it's not going to be 100%. Um, So you really have to go back and be sure. So, yeah, you do. You're right. If you're going to drop it off and come back to it later, you want to check it before you drive it off the lot. Um, So my, I guess what I'm kind of going back to is just having that experience of taking the front end apart and putting it back together a couple of times, you know what to look for, you know what to check. Um, so, you know, your vehicle is safe, but if you, if you're not wrenching on your machine, if, or even you have the capability to do it, but if you're, if you're not hundred percent wrenching on it, I think you ought to want to learn how to do it, especially when it comes to your bike. Cause you know, in the motorcycle world, it, you have to almost know how to work on your bike just in case you're out on a long ride. Like if you're going across country or whatever and you get a flat tire, you need to know how to plug your tire, put air in it, and keep it moving until you get to a safe point. You know what I'm saying? Or your brake right. cable comes loose or your clutch cable, whatever it may be. You need to be able to say, all right, I, I, I know what's wrong and I know how to fix it. It's going to be a Band-Aid, but I know how to get to the next stop so I can get it serviced or whatever. So. It just comes with years of writing, I think. And see, that's the other thing. Maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm jumping into the next topic, but I mean, uh, go ahead and interrupt me there, John, uh, Rich. If uh, if I'm touching something that that I shouldn't say yet, but when you take your money and you actually can and you can justify the time to actually work on something. So now, and perfect example is let's take a regular a major motorcycle company that's known internationally and has their own parts catalog that just having the name is ex- is another $200 on whatever part you're wanting not to say any names but that company you take something in to get worked on you're looking at a $300 bill just for just for labor so how about if you take that $300 or $200, whatever the whatever the project is, and let's just say something as simple as an oil change. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll grab myself two filters. I'll grab myself eight quarts of the right oil and do that work for myself. And if I don't get it right the first time and I've tore up or somehow misapplied the, the, the first filter, there's a rough maybe an oversimplification, but you're getting my point. You've taken that extra expense that you would actually give somebody else to do your job and you're using it to learn how to do it right. Expecting to know or expecting to maybe get it wrong. And if you do get it wrong, you use that extra money that you would have spent to to given to somebody else to pay for the right way to get it done, you know, and you're still doing it yourself. Yeah. It's like, it's it's like putting new tires on on the motorcycle. Instead of having, having a dealership, you know, jack the bike up, take the tires off, put new tires on, you know, and all that. I would take my own tires off, take them to the shop, put new meat on them, balance them, bring them back home and put the tires back on myself to save that money. You know. Yep, and when we're talking about that kind of stuff, there's another podcast. I'm not going to say their name, but they're they're very Harley centric, and they actually put out these kind of videos to help people be Shade Tree. 
you have a video right there on YouTube and you're able to do that. You're able to do your own Harley Davidson work. Yeah. So you can pay for the part, which is going to be expensive as it, as it is already. Now it's all on you, but now you have a really reliable color 3d video that you can play back however many times and do exactly what they did for the same exact thing that you're needing to do. So much better than any children's book I've ever come across. And Haynes, for the longest time, has been my uh, has been my Bible until Chilton bought them out. So now it's Chilton Haynes. So uh, thankfully, I got my experience established a long time before I before I was you know tied to a book anymore. Let me let me pose this question and and we'll go around the table on this one. So are you still playing devil's advocate? Because I didn't get to yell at you yet. <laughs> Well, yeah, go ahead and close that, because I, I, my question is going to move in another direction. Go for it. So my question is, should you be mindful of and know your limits? And I'm not just talking about like fabricating things, but I'm also talking about maintenance. And I'll give you my example, and then we'll, we'll go around, around the table. The R6 is something I'm trying to get on the track. And I'm kind of going through it piece by piece, just looking at all the parts, seeing what needs to be um, repaired or replaced. You know, the bike's in good condition, but I don't know the bike. It's a completely different bike for me, different style. You know, everything about it is different. So I'm, I'm taking my time to go through it. So part of my getting this bike on the track is, like I said, it's just maintenance. But I have an item that I found where I actually need to do some work. One of the front fork seals was leaking. So I know that has to be replaced. And based on what I've been reading, I know that I may need a heavier spring in the front. So I've, I've sort of taken this on as one project in itself, get a heavier spring, you know, get all the seals and whatever other collars and parts I need for the, the forks and have that done. And I've gone back and forth and I, I think I might actually do it myself, but I'll explain first. My, my thought was to take the forks off the bike, take them to the dealership, pay the $80 each leg to have them do it. But the more I've thought about it and the more we've talked about it, Mike, I think I'm going to save the 160 and just take that on as myself. No matter how long it takes, I think there's value in learning how to rebuild a set of forks, put that new spring in and get it all back together. And then I know exactly what's inside those legs when the bike is done. Exactly. So now can I interrupt and just start yelling at you? Because I have a couple of things I definitely need to yell at you. To yell, at you <laughs> yell away, my friend. How are you going to know your limits if you don't try? Step one of the yell. Step two is you are wanting to use this bike not just for daily rider. You're wanting to race. You're wanting to put it on a track. So you are putting it to its paces. Mm-hmm. You need, Rich, to know your bike. Not just how it rides, but because you're not paying for a team to work on it for you so that you can tell them, hey, it's squashy in the front when I dive into turn number three and it squats on the back when I get on the straight and they take care of it for you. You have to do that for yourself. Agreed. So you need, definitely, especially when you're talking about suspension, you need to go ahead and leave this, uh, the springs in there. This is my suggestion. Get the seals done. Then you at least have the process down. You know how to do it. 
Right. And what are seals? $20 for a set. So now you're $40 for, for, for two sets in case, for whatever reason, you tear one up. You go ahead and get it out on the, uh, on the track and confirm what you're reading. Just because you're reading it doesn't mean that's going to be the right math for you. There's a difference, and I'll touch it really lightly. There's a difference between university, university knowledge and college knowledge and book knowledge than the university of hard knocks, oh, learning sure. it yourself. Okay. Life is the number one, all encompassing teacher. So you can read all you want. You can actually look on all the uh, YouTube that you want, but until you actually feel that bike perform under you in that, in that track, you don't know exactly what's going on. You don't know what you want out of that bike. So don't buy Don't be buying parts that you don't know that you need yet. Okay, well, so that's another issue because parts are already here. <laughs> but, <laughs> okay, I get I, what you're I saying. Your enough yet? No, I, I, you have convinced me enough that, or sorry, you have convinced me that I want to do the forks myself. You know, I've seen other people do it. it doesn't look that complicated. You just need to take your time. I might need to get a tool or two. You know, and and it may just delay getting it out on the road a little longer. You know how long that is. I don't know. Doing forks, uh, doing forks. Your 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 fork suspension is actually number one. It's messy as all heck if you don't you, when you're first doing it, and it is complicated, especially if you don't even understand the concept behind it. It took me a while before I figured out exactly. I mean, I had a CB750, and it was an '81, and it had that stupid air dampening system just to learn how to, okay, so I have oil, but I also have air that charges up the suspension and, huh? So, yeah, <clears throat> I didn't, I, that was, that was, to even tackle that one, that's why I would definitely suggest you gotta, you gotta get yourself burnt and learn that one because you're, that's going to be one heck of a big gold pin, yeah. gold star on your chest when you can figure that out, when you have that done. So, so let me use your same argument against you, knowing that it's going to be a track bike and that I've never done forks before. Wouldn't you want the repair to be done properly? Put the stock springs back in, like you said, ride it, make sure I understand that, okay, these are way too soft for me. I'm bottom, bottoming them out, even with all the preload cranked into it, then take it apart myself and put the heavier springs in. Back when we had the, when we didn't have uh, the ability to take pictures as easily as we do nowadays, I would probably agree. And even then, I would be on the on the fence about it. Now, definitely not. Still do it your freaking self, dude. Um, <laughs> you have a cell phone. You have a podcast. I know that you've done videos. You have a way to re- reliably break that shock down and record every step of it so that you can reverse everything that you've done. And you've done enough test rides that you should know well enough how a suspension should feel. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Rachel, do you agree? I I do strongly agree with you, brother. Yep. Because I know that you've done your own stuff, especially oh, on yeah. ours, before, oh, before yeah. you handed it over to, uh, to Rich. 
So yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't matter how 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 quickly you get it back on the road, but take your time. Take the whole bike apart. Shit, just take it, disassemble it. <laughs> That's kind of what it's looking like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just disassemble it for real. Disassemble the bike. No, I mean you still want to get some enjoyment out of the bike. Come on, let's not get too crazy. That's true, but you know, ultimately, with all the different things that you want to do to it. Um, any upgrade you want to do to it, do it yourself, take your time and um, experience it. You don't know what, like, like you said, Mike, you don't know your, where your ceiling is until you're actually out there doing it. If you find yourself in a jam and you can't figure it out, just take your parts to the dealership and have them show you. It's not going to be any different charge. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, I mean, you'll have the, you'll have the forks, the forks already off. You have it all opened up already. So they won't have too much labor to put into it other than putting it back together. So that's if you run into a jam, but uh, you know, until you get to that point where you're just, you can't go any further, you've done it a couple of times and you just don't know how to fix it. Then take it, take those parts to the dealership and say, Hey, put this together. You know, I just keep hitting the wall. Show me how you're doing this. And just sit in the garage with them and have them show you how to do it because letting them know that, hey, I'm going to be putting this on the, I'm going to be putting this on the track. I'm going to have my, you know, I'm my own team. I need to know how to do this. Show me, show me what I was doing wrong. You can even show them the video of, of you taking it apart and trying to put it back together. And they can show you at what, at what point you went wrong. There's only, there's one limit to that stuff though. And, and I've had some of this before where, when you get into certain areas of repair, mainly the engine and transmission, you're going to encounter some specialty tools and it's just, it's not going to be worth it to spend that kind of money for the tools. I mean, yes, you could rent, you could rent them, but yeah, but no, just to have them. You know how many tools I have in my toolbox that <laughs> I do. <laughs> I've used one time. <laughs> I've used one time and you know, maybe one day down the road, somebody with a different bike. Uh, you know what? That has happened. On, um, I was putting a set of uh, slip-ons on a Ducati, my uh, Dennis's Ducati, and I had this special tool that I didn't think I would never use again. And I ended up using it on his bike. Got it. So you never know. I built a tool because I absolutely did not have the money to replace ball joints, so I had to come up with a way to make a pickle fork that would not destroy the seal. And I only ever used it once because, it, you know, after that, I, you know, I got back into money. But I could not afford changing up the oaks there. And But, you know, I've, I, I have several tools that I've built and I only ever used once. But that's not so much. I mean, that's that's shade tree, too. But at the same time, once again, Rich, Rick, uh, Rich, good grief. <laughs> One of I've been guys. driving. I've been up, I've been up for a while, and I I just drove six hundred miles. So I do. I, I did want to get to the point that there definitely is a balance you want to establish. If that's your only means of transportation, then you definitely have to make some sacrifices on the pay to get it fixed right the first time side. Over, I can get this done. I want to get it done my way. I'll do that and still be able to ride or operate whatever that project is. When you get to the point where more specialty tools are your barrier, that's a real barrier that you can't be criticized for. Hey, I don't have the money to mill out a whole block because I have 
three sleeves that need to be uh, replaced and a crack that needs to be rewelded, you know, so that I can get my, uh, my truck going again. Those are real blocks. Those are real boundaries, but they're not boundaries that, <clears throat> that define your level of shade tree. I know that I would like to be able to do this. I can't. I know what the problem is. Do you know what the problem is? Hey, you got yourself an extra silver star for that yep, diagnosis. You just can't fix it. Okay. Deal with it. Gotta have the wallet tool take care of it. You know? Yeah. And there's also, you also reach a point where m- maybe I'm not fixing it. Maybe now I'm replacing it. Right. And yet, at the same time, with everything that we've said, everything that you've posed, even devil's 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 advocate, does anybody feel like they would be less of a person crap? because they didn't fix it themselves? Uh, yeah, less of a person for uh, for 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 doing a shade tree project, or or not? No, nope. we're all proud of what we've accomplished in every project that we've given in our examples, right? I know I have. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And you're looking forward to that same opportunity, especially with forks. And that is a big project. Don't let anybody fool you. If there's an easy way to take, if Yamaha has made a really easy way to take out and disassemble an R6's suspension, (laughs) good on them. Okay. But everything I've ever done, it's messy. You got to make sure that you track every part so that it all goes in the right way. <laughs> Count every thread. And there's also a process just just in taking them apart. If you do it the wrong way, it'll actually blow up on you. Not blow up as in, but the parts will actually, because there's a spring there, it'll throw the bar, parts away. Now you're on a, a you know, a, a searching party. That's always fun. You know. So yeah, I, th- I think you've convinced me on that. <laughs> is that I'll pick up the parts and if I can return the springs, I will, if not, I'll just bring them home and maybe, maybe I won't put them in first pass, but like you said, do the replacement of the seals, get them back in order, put fresh fluid in there, get them back in the bike and then, you know, ride it a little bit, see if I need to adjust the preload. And if I bottom that out and I still need more then I know I need the spring. Yeah. Take it from there. Cool. Well, I, we didn't really go around the table, but I think I think I know where Rico stands. I know where Mike stands. <laughs> well, see, here's the thing: we have John. John's been thunderstroker back there. He's been all quiet. I think he's been waiting for the for the crack of lightning or something. But I know that he put on his own exhaust. He sure did. How about he tell us about that process? Because right. he never did. He told us that he got them and he put them on, but he never did tell us anything else. Yeah, John. It sucked. I thought we did talk about the install in the show. Because you had somebody come over and help you, and you know, we talked about the difficulty it of sucked. one of the nuts. <laughs> Thunderstroker. Take three bolts off to five hours. Yeah, what was the process, bud? Give me the details. These are the things that I like to listen to. Give me the reason why that was difficult. Well, lesson learned. Next time, cut the damn bolts. Don't try to take them off and save them. <laughs> the torch, so the for torch. your exhaust, the actual the, the the hot the hot bolts. Uh, so there's on the muffler how it 
there's, there's a flange connected to the catalytic converter with a spring on the backside right. that was um, a Loctite um, bolt on the back. And okay. the nut itself, or sorry, the bolt itself was um, a hex. And as soon as I kind of started, as soon as it slipped, it went, it stripped, the head stripped. So, yeah, you're talking about a uh, exhaust bolt, so it's baked in. Did you use any penetrating oil, WD-40, anything like that? No. Uh-huh. <laughs> Next time, <laughs> this would be the thing that you might want to look into, is look into, especially with exhaust bolts, where heat makes a lot of heat, uh, you know, the, the metal expand and contract. Things will get tight, or even metal will actually meld. Uh, with with its uh, with its uh, surface that is holding, so sometimes just a gentle wrap and penetrating oil is one heck of a handy dandy tool to have with you. Well, needless to say, a Dremel tool came in handy. There you go. It got yep. cut off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was the thing. And as you talk about finding stuff on the internet, unfortunately, with my bike. It's, I would say, something like Rich's. Well, I won't say exactly Rich's because there's Harley's, a, you know, there's more stuff for Harley. Harley is a Harley, yeah. But Even for mine, for my make and my model, it's very limited in information. Yeah. So. Well, it's so proprietary because all the all the, all the the babysitter stuff that they have on that thing, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised. So you have a, you have a bigger road to hoe because. You have to learn it all yourself the first time, right? So, well, if it goes to the, you know, as since it's the RSS, when you go to the RT or the F3, there's more stuff out there. So, and here's the other thing that we need to talk about. Once again, I talked to, and, you know, I started out with one of the most valuable things I ever was taught is you, you want to learn how to do something, look it up in a book. Everybody, especially with our motorcycles and you're wanting to work on it even a little bit, should go the extra expense. It would be a good suggestion, especially for anything that you're keeping. Get yourself the service manual on that on that machine, whether it's a car, truck, pickup, R6, you know, whatever. Generally around 60 to 100 bucks, but you know what? You get diagrams and part numbers that are accurate, and everything else like that for your machine. It's always something good. It's a it's a good tool to have in the in the toolbox. But I think John sort of takes my approach to maintenance and repairs, or I should say my my approach with with the Harley at least is, you know that that's the primary bike. So I'd rather just ride it and have the you know have the dealer or have an independent shop maintain it, and you know I guess finding someone you trust is. I've had good luck with the dealership here. It's it's not the cheapest place in the world, but they've never done anything to the bike that you know has made me scratch my head or be like, oh, they missed this or missed that. You know, they've always done a good job. It comes back cleaner than I can get it. So I'm I'm happy to pay them for that. But I'm yeah. I'm slowly weaning off. Slowly, <laughs> I'm letting go of the teat. <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah, it's one it's one thing to be on the teat of the beer, but uh, in the 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 teat of uh, some some other grease monkey instead of yeah. being yourself. 
Yeah, get off the dealer's seat. Right. Yeah. Did you did you happen to put any like uh, was it that uh, anti seize lubricant on your bolts this time when you put the pipe back on? So if you ever have to take it apart again, you won't have such a hard time getting it off. No, now it's only two bolts to take off, and it's real easy. <laughs> two brothers, right. did, two brothers did an awesome job. I'll put it that way on their stuff. So. And yeah, that's right. And you have already had to repack your 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 baffle at least once, right? Yes, I've had to repack the baffles, and I probably need to do that again. How was that the first time that you did it? Pain in the ass. <laughs> I, I love these detailed answers. Boy, I see I how much you. John likes working on the spider. <laughs> He's like screwed up noise. I get the I, I get the impression that he wants to outsource the answer even. <laughs> <laughs> so, um uh, so it's after the first time doing a packing, it was supposed to be easy and I've Probably if I go farther down, it would be easier to get it done, hopefully, the next time. That's my hope, since I've done it once. Again, there wasn't very much information about it. Rich, we have a question in the live stream. Oh. All right. And this is from Brother Bacon. Well, I'm, I just answered him, but I will on the air as well. All right. Well, you, answer, you, you read the question, and there you go. The idea is, you know, with bikes getting more electronics and and more complicated and things of that nature. Do we want as a shade tree, you know, I'll call myself a shade tree if I can, if I'm allowed, then do we want to buy a new bike? Do you want to now start working on all of these electronic and complicated parts that may require even more specialty tools? You know, is that something we're excited about or as a shade tree, are you saying, you know, screw that noise. I want my, you know, my 1995, <laughs> you know, thank you very much. Carbureted all day. I, I have the, I have the perfect example for you. And cause I've been enjoying it. The, the process of taking the R6 apart has really been wonderful. I mean, Rico's meticulous with his maintenance. So it's not like it needs anything. So taking it apart, like everything's there, there's nothing broken. You know, it's, it's like a brand new bike. But it's not complicated. It's just nuts and bolts. You know, there's a couple of wires here and there, but, you know, there'll be four carburetors to deal with at some point, but that's kind of as complicated as it's going to get with that bike. Well, is it, it carbureted? Is the R6 carbureted? It is, yeah. It's a 2000. Oh, wow. Is that four? Four. Yep. Oh. <laughs> so you yeah. definitely are going to, uh, are already looking, or if you haven't already, are looking at the um oh what is that one tool the the um, the sink the 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 carb tuning tool now i'm thinking that that when it comes down to that that he'll take it to the dealership at that point to have it done right <laughs> <laughs> okay but let's get back to your question here do you want me to head out head into it or yeah yeah go ahead How, so as a shade tree are you excited to buy a new bike or are you trying to avoid it? Heck yeah. You know okay. why? All those electronics, and Rico probably already knows what I'm about to say. And if Zion is listen, listening, yeah. on, he knows exactly what I'm about to say. Those electronics make working on a motorcycle or a car or a pickup or even my big old Peterbilt so much easier. Because all you do is you take this 
handy dandy three hundred dollar. Yes, I got one <laughs> uh, diagnostic tool. Plug it in, and it will tell you what you need to do. Then all it is is hey, now it's bl- um, bloody knuckles, greasy palms. Change out the part, put it in, plug it up, and, and away you go. Handy dandy, you're you're done. Diagnostics for the longest time when you didn't have a teammate, a co-pilot that was the car or the vehicle itself telling you, hey, I feel bad here. And you're all the way at the big toe and it was pointing at its head, you know, and you're going, I think this is what it, what it is. Is that the the knee? No, the hip bone is connected to the elbow. No, no, the the the, the vehicle is actually telling you what to do, and it makes it so much easier. Yep. So no, I, if if I haven't been clear enough, <laughs> electronics make working on these machines so much easier, and customizing them so much easier, especially if you have a company that puts out an aftermarket part be it bolt-on or not, that if it's plug-and-play, that's all you have to do. You just change out the part, put on the new one. Hey, you did the work. You didn't pay somebody $45 for that hour to do that. You plugged it in, and guess what? Because the electronic systems nowadays work so good and are so reliable, as soon as you change that part out, you, you turn on the key, diagnostics on itself understands that it's got something else new in it knows how to turn it on how to operate it yada 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 and you're off to the races rolling you know picking up chicks and drinking beer (laughs) yep and a lot of those parts you know to come with an app that you can go in and fine-tune it even more so makes it even easier you know specific for your bike and your pipes and whatever yeah, I'm excited to get to and get to this headlight that I that I that I bought for my for my bike. I haven't been able to put it on yet, but it has an app for it that I'll be able to change the halo color on my own through my phone. Nice. Oh, that's cool. awesome. Oh, man, yep. I can't wait until I get to put it on. I don't have the time. <laughs> but it, you know, and here's another thing: when we get back to Rich, you have you have a little bit of a advantage where I would like to be in the same boat where I don't have oh, a second vehicle right now. My main project, which if you've looked at my eight days a week, mm-hmm. my BTX is actually my project bike as well. So there's a whole slew of stuff that I still need to work on. Sooner or later, I'm going to get to a point from all the modifications that I can handle doing in a day uh, there's going to be a point where I have to put it up on stands, yeah, and really and dig into it, not ride it, right? So I need a second vehicle. I need a second bike or a second vehicle, and most likely, what I'd like to do is I'd like to get myself a second bike. My um, pickup, its transmission is down. I got to change out the the second uh, the second gear drum on the automatic transmission and I'm considering getting a uh, standard and doing that conversion instead, but that's neither here nor there. That would actually be the means of transportation that would replace my bike and put it on the stand so I could actually start stripping it down. 
you have that ability to actually go ahead, bolt by bolt, learn your R6, and still be able to enjoy motorcycling. Right. For me, I'm actually grounding myself to do that. So that's what I'd like to do. Is I'd like, like uh, I need to find myself something inexpensive that I could actually keep myself rolling on two wheels while I'm working on Emerald. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. I guess my my main challenge and. We talked about it offline, but I'll say it here is, uh, you know, if I spend a certain amount of time on the bike, then I know I'm not going to get to ride. But what I decided is, or at least the idea I came up with is find the time or make the time to work on the bike. And then when the bike is ready, I just turn that into riding time. So I think if I'm able to do that, that'll make me happy. But if, you know, if I'm wrenching on the bike every weekend and I'm not riding, that's going to make me pretty sad. Well, then you're talking about a matter of budgeting time and you've established when you have a busy life already. And from what I understand, from what I understand, your life is pretty busy. I'm not saying anybody else's isn't, but Mm -hmm. you are are almost by the minute. So if you can actually budget time to work on said project, then that block of time can always stay. This is my R6 time, whether it's I'm on the track or I'm working on something, or I'm on the track, or I'm working on something. Yeah, that's the idea, yeah. That establishes that block of time. And sometimes a shade tree actually has to work against or with a clock. This would be utilizing the ability of the ladder. Okay. So any anything else, fellas, on the shade tree before we close that one up and get into some other topics? I think we've uh, screwed that in pretty tight. <laughs> pretty tight. <laughs> <laughs> nice. John, you good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay, Mike. <laughs> when a person is wanting to consider in, in being a shade tree or doing like customizations, I've actually been doing, I've been actually mulling over a couple different tool options that I'm trying to, because I'm limited on my funds as well. Most people are. And did you realize, do you know that battleships and tanks and stuff like that, those pieces of metal actually got welded together with a hot torch, you know, an oxyacetylene torch. There was no arc welding. Some of them, I'm sure. For a long time. Okay. So things got actually put together, steamers, boilers, stuff like that, with a cutting torch. Just a different way that they use we use the tool i need a i need a hot knife as well as i need a way to actually weld metal i don't have the money for both i've actually come to the conclusion i'm actually looking at teaching myself how to do hot knife welding uh oxyacetylene welding uh gas welding is what they uh, i think is the technical term and this way, I'm allow, I'm getting myself two tools in one. My mother, with her being a cook, she loves multi-purpose tools. You can do one thing mm-hmm. with one tool that doesn't have very much use. But if you have that one tool and it can do a whole bunch of things, you're making your, your dollar really stretch. And when you're talking about shade tree, we're... We're under certain strictures, financial, time, experience, tools, 
is what we do our uh, our work with. So considering, you know, people that want to get into it and they they oh, I can't do this kind of welding because I don't have the money for a TIG. Good grief, nor do I. I probably <laughs> never will. But you might have a torch. But you can have a torch for seventy dollars, and you can yourself. I think it's called a, stri- a striker spider, something like that. A really good named brand regulator set and everything else like that. Then all you have to do is pay for the gas. You have yourself get some scrap metal. I'm rambling. The thing is, is that if you can look at ways to double your circumstances so that what you do have on hand can do multiple things, you're able to continue on with your projects. And the oxyacetylene thing has been a current issue with me. So I thought it would be a nice suggestion for any aspiring shade tree people to to consider. Do some reading, look at uh, YouTubes, and yeah. uh, look at the kind of welds that some people have actually done with uh, a gas weld. And they look as good, if not, in my opinion, <laughs> better than a TIG. I've seen some really nice work with a, a brazing rod mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Yeah. Yep. Very cool. But anyway. Then that would be the last thing that I have on the on the whole shade tree thing. Aside from it's not a it's not it's definitely not something to poo poo. It is a badge of honor on whatever level you've done yeah. that work. It's a badge of honor, and anybody that says different, unfriend them from your Twitter or your Facebook <laughs> or anything else like that. Cause they're out of they're the not clubhouse. Time <laughs> to spit their name, you know. Awesome. All right. Well, before we move on to other topics, let's just take a moment to recognize the people that continue to make our show possible by thanking the Riders of Loud Pipes for their continued support. And we'll start with Mike, of course, because he's on the line. So thank you very much, sir. We appreciate it. How dry I am. I need a refill. (laughs) (laughs) Give me one, too. So let's start with our first five riders. We'll go back to the old method on this one. That would be Marcus, Rickard, Edward, Jebby, and Zion. Uh, barbershop group is Chuck, Mike, Chris, and Roger. Riders group is Steve, Micah, Kenny, Dangerous Dave, and Chad. And we have our insiders, Darren, and the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast. So please visit loudpipes.net slash donate and select a reward that interests you most. And there's a link there for one-time donations and contributions of any size are greatly appreciated. All right, John, we got some good feedback this week on Facebook. Yeah, we, we did. We did. So we did. I was doing some back and forth with Eric. And the first thing he wanted to point out was some detail on the Ducati V4, which we did not get into. And that is the the firing order of that is not like a traditional V4. So much like Aprilia or Honda, where it may fire across the block in succession the Ducati is more like it still fires more like a twin where it's two pulses at the same time. So it's firing two cylinders at the same time and it's effectively working just like a massive twin instead of more like a V4. So he was just saying that that contributes to some of the sound as well. Firing one, two and three, four. Yeah. Firing two of them at the same time, instead of doing one, two, three, four, it's doing like, 
one and three and two and four together. So I thought that was cool. And I know, Mike, I know you love the details on your parts, so I thought you'd appreciate that. Well, now, did he, did he, uh, did he actually give you that detail? Was it, are the two cylinders that are firing, are they the two lead or the two t- and trailing, or is it, like you just said, one and three are firing together and two and four are firing together? I'd have to check it, but I believe it's front and back at the same time. Oh, wow. Wow. Talk about vibration then. But all the kind of power that you get out, I bet the sound is awesome. Yeah, well, we now, thought the you, sound was a little which muted. Which are you talking about? Is this the is this the day of all? No, this is the new V4. So the new Panigale with a V4 in it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yep. So it's cool. I'll dig up some links to that, and we'll put that in the show notes. People can check that out for more detail. But the other thing that the Eric pointed out, and I, I thank him for the the conversation we went back and forth on Facebook quite a bit with bikes that he's looking at and bikes I'm looking at. And he was wondering why we didn't pick the Suzuki V-Strom 1000 for Chuck. So it's the same money as the Kawasaki Versus that I picked, but it also has the new five axis IMU and all the, you know, traction and handling modes that the Versus does not yet have. So I thought that was neat. And I'm not sure why I didn't look at the V-Strom. I think i that I thought it was more money initially. And I don't know, John or Rico, do you guys look at that one at all in your, in your scurries for Chuck? Well, Suzuki was on the list, but, uh, I thought the bikes that I pick were a little bit funnier. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about our Chuck, right? Not Chuck from Wilders. Yeah. Our Chuck in the clubhouse. Yep. Oh, okay. 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 So yeah, last week's episode, I don't know if you got to it, but we finished up, we got back to his uh, spend my money topic. Yeah, I wish I could have. I haven't. I was riding too many rides and drinking too much wine. Oh, no, you're on vacation. Understood. So, yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's a bike I want to look at. And, you know, I'm sure I'll be continuing the dialogue with Eric on, you know, sport touring. And I'll call it mild ADV bikes or maybe sport ADV bikes. Because the, the class is appealing. And they kind of do everything. but. You, know, you sit upright, it's comfortable, have great handling, good power, good brakes. You know, kind of have it all. Well, for me, I was trying to lean more towards his riding position where he wanted a cruiser rider. That's why I didn't go that way. Yeah. Yeah, the Kawasaki, the Versus is a stretch because I, I know he's favoring the cruiser, so it was just kind of a stretch bike. It's like, hey, if you're looking to do this kind of riding, try this one. Cool. All righty. And I just have two quick uh, news stories I want to talk about. And then I want to see if Mike wants to update his eight days a week. And then I think we're pretty much good for tonight, time-wise. Well, John's keeping tabs. He'll let me know if it's gone long. <laughs> <laughs> so the, well, You know me. I don't mind if it does go long. Oh, I know. Instructors need stuff and good, good material to listen to. Now, of course, I'm on the show now, so it's probably not going to be good material to listen to. <laughs> well, or at the very least, you can't complain this week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, right, nothing to Debbie. complain about. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, 107 sucked. Uh, right. <laughs> so, Stay tuned for the downshift. I'll let out then. So we'll do these rapid-fire style where you know I'll pitch out the story and we'll give each person about a minute to comment. There is a new... Uh, Moto Auction site out there. It's M-O-T-O-A-U-C-T. And it's an online vintage motorcycle auction. 
So it's pretty neat. They have a sort of a flat fee for listing, and then there's a percentage on the sale that gets paid. And it's just all for bikes 25 years old or older. And I don't know if you guys have had a chance to look at that. That's in the in the show notes there. But we'll start with Johnny John. What do you think about that? Pretty cool? It's cool that you can find old bikes and people want to sell them and auction them and buy them. And hey, another place to go find them. There's a market for it, right? There is. Did you find anything interesting? Did you look at all? Just curious. No. No. <laughs> I've been waxing my spider, man. It's been it's been hectic. Hey, there's a panhead. Well, I was looking at a seventy-five Kawasaki Z one nine hundred for sixteen hundred dollars. Sixteen hundred dollars. It's a, of my birth year, so I've always wanted a bike. I've always wanted a nineteen seventy-five. Just have a bike as old as me. I think that'd be neat. Well, you can get the Moto Guzzi V seven Sport for twenty five hundred. Isn't that newer? 75. Oh, it is. Oh, gotta get a Gucci. Yeah. All right, Brother Hogan, 60 seconds if you need it. Well, I'm just looking at all these, um, the cafe right, uh, uh, bikes right now. So I'm in that phase. I think I want, I think I want like a little cafe, something or another. Oh, Rico's gonna build a cafe racer. Yeah. I think uh, I want something like that. Maybe like a scrambler. Somewhere in around there. Cafe. There's a whole other podcast for that, you know. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, something different, something not as heavy, something I can just kind of kick around. Uh, I can see you with a scrambler. Yeah. I mean, why not? Why not? I got big, I got big girl already, so she does everything else. I heard big that. Big girl. That's the, that's, the, that's the opera singer that ends everything. It starts and ends with the Roadmaster. Right. All right. I think he's done. Big Mike, you got anything on this? You like vintage bikes? I'm sure you do. Well, I love vintage bikes. I've, I, I'm, I'm of the same uh, mindset as you. I would love to have something like <clears throat> on my eight days a week, there's that 72 boat tail because uh, that's the birth year of my of myself as well. I'd like to have a, uh, a 72 motorcycle as well um no real no real specifics most likely a harley but uh, mm. i definitely like the the idea of a day by a database that you can actually go to for these vintage bikes for people that actually want to sell their bikes you, you, yeah. can, you can go all over the place and find bikes that are just dying slowly and people don't want to sell them because they know what the thing is and they're selling them for too much. And it's like, Hey, okay, this is an outlet for people that actually are serious about getting rid of these things and get them into people's hands that are going to actually one, enjoy them. Number two, keep them up hopefully so that they three can be handed down to the next generation. That technology doesn't die away and can only be found in a museum, you know? Yeah, I like so to I see like these it. ridden. So I like it as a, like you said, a little bit for reference. You're just being able to look at some of these old bikes and then, you know, the possibility of buying them is, is exciting if you're in the market. Mm-hmm. Cool site. Bookmark for Sounds sure. like if they have a couple, I mean, it sounds like they also might have a couple that uh, 
I might be able to actually entertain as a as that second bike that I was talking about. Yeah, for sure. As long as the price is low enough, and it's a bike that I could work on, which isn't that far out of the scope. <laughs> All right, let's take a look at one more. Um, I actually had three, but that third one is going to require a bit more setup, so we'll we'll punt that one for now. And it looks like Royal Enfield is possibly going to take on or try to take on Harley's street models, and they have a new 650cc twin for their Continental and Interceptor models. So I don't know if you guys have had yeah. a chance to see these. I know Royal Enfield mostly is a, a single for the most part. So now, uh, now a twin for the market. Well, it's news for me. It's kind of exciting to think about it. There's still, there's still engines that are built over in Indonesia, Indonesian, aren't they? Yeah. I don't know exactly where they are built. Probably look that up. Not right now. I think that's why, look it up. I, if I remember right, that's why I think Royal Enfield actually has, uh, beats Harley on the, on the, on the one badge of the longest existing motorcycle company, no brakes in its ownership, no brakes in its operation, I should say. Yeah. You know? Longest con- continuously operated entity. Right. Harley is the, is the second. There are the yeah Royal Enfield is the winner. Harley is the is the is the second winner, and everybody else is losers because they did have a break in their operation at one time or another. Well, according to their website, their the brand name uh, was officially licensed in eighteen ninety. That's how far back it goes. I don't know when they started making bikes. Yeah. So yeah, that would be. That'd be before Harley or Indian. Mm-hmm. At that point, so no. Hogan, have you seen these? Have you seen these bikes at all? Do you see any Royal Enfields down in Costa Rica? Even the singles? Uh, Running around? No, I haven't seen any yet here. So, yeah, I've not seen any on the road. Not any like newer ones, but yeah. When I was, you know what? I, when I was in uh, Mexico, in San Miguel, Mexico, there were a couple. Actually, there were a lot, so they're big over there, I think. Very nice, very nice. Mm-hmm. John Don, you have a thought before you fall asleep? No, I'm trying to answer your question, though. They're manufactured in India. They are. Engines as well? Or there just in go. general? Yeah. Oh, they're, <laughs> yes, they're in India as well. Yep. Very nice. Thank you, TD. No problem. Another paycheck this week. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's all I had for news roundup. And before we close it out, I was going to ask Mike, you haven't, I know we have your eight days a week in the clubhouse, but did you want to pitch it out there? And more importantly, do you have any changes? Well, I did actually make a, a couple changes and because we thankfully have upgraded our, our Slack, I updated my, my list and, I don't know if I've actually successfully been able to pin it over, so I need to try again, but I can actually go through the list real quick. There are, is it, um, no, there's just one main main change, and Rico's going to have to just get his heart ready here, uh, Uh because number one is still the 2018 or older, however long that mill eight keeps going, the Harley-Davidson Road Glide. Ultra with the hard candy red. Chew is a two, two, 
2010 Kawasaki VN2000 Limited with the black and silver pin striping. Uh, I actually got to see a, a VN2000 earlier today. It was a classic. Man, that Kawasaki was really spitting in the eye of Harley Davidson with that engine. And I tell you what, I love them for it all the more. <laughs> I, I love Harley, but good grief. The beast. That's a beautiful engine when you get to see it in 2000 cc's. My God. Number three, 2017 Victory Magnum X1 Pearl White. Still got it on the list. Yes, I do want that bike. Number four, the Indian Classic got shot down, burnt up, thrown in the trash because that's where it deserves to be. I <laughs> changed it to a. JRL cycles radial motorcycle. And of course the year doesn't matter because when you order it, that's the year that it is. <laughs> now I want it to be the same Navy blue as the FJU one C Corsair, the actual naval fighter with graphics like aircraft rivet plate metal with the rivet, uh, holes in it and whatnot. Not the, not the holes, but the yeah. rivet placements. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's the paint scheme that I want. That is a radial engine out of the Corsair itself. So awesome. I love it. Number five is still my 2018 Yamaha Star Venture. I love that bike. It looks so cool, and I am not swayed at all by the bad opinions of the engine performance at this time because, as we've already seen, their last demo run that they had apparently had to have been was more more was more geared on the prototype level. Yeah, they, they weren't are production going back bikes. to the. Yeah, they were not production yet, but it gives you an idea of what they were wanting to do and what they're wanting to do. Aside from the engine failings, which sounds more like along the lines, not the performance but reliability, is the only thing that they need to take care of. So if all they do is just rip out that new engine and put in the 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 Raider engine, I'd be happy. It's the same stinking thing. Got it. Number six is the 1920 Henderson Model K. Ooh. Um, wow. I forgot about that. Yeah. Number two, uh, number seven is the 1972 Buick, Buick Riviera Midnight Purple Metallic. Eight is my project. My wonderful Emerald. Yeah. Uh, the VTX 1800S. And it's still going to be two-tone emerald green. And metallic black, but uh, I have plans to do a stretch and a 30-inch front wheel, dropped rear, and custom hard bags that I'll build myself. Now, this would be the bolt-on neck conversion kit, right? (laughs) (laughs) I will find you, and you don't don't deserve to have that deuce, you say that again. (laughs) Here all week, folks. But yeah. Awesome. That's the list. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. And one more around the horn. Anything else from you, Johnny John? You want to talk about events real quick? Cover that? Events. Uh, Yes, we got two events. Uh, So the first annual Loud Pipes meetup. Still working on details. Still haven't got anything back from Rich about anything. You know, he hasn't told me anything. (laughs) Keeping it under my hat. Oh, all right. (laughs) All right. Great. I guess we'll sh- nobody will show up then except you because nobody knows any information. Well, yeah, we, we've got a couple. Soon enough so that we can schedule. 
Yeah, we've gotten a couple bits of feedback and you know, like we said, anyone that's interested in, in joining or has an idea on a date or location, you know, hit us up on our, our feedback page, wildpipes.net slash feedback or just feedback at rwstudios.com and let us know. And then the other one is the second annual East Coast Moto Mino meetup that's going to happen June 9th in Wake Forest. Very nice. Very nice. And I will be there. Got time to plan for that. Mm-hmm. All right, Brother Hogan, anything else for you? Not brother, I think I'm 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 good. You good? Yeah, hoping to do a lot of riding this uh this summer. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, me too. All right, before we close out, I would like to again thank the riders of Loud Pipes for their continued support. And if you feel the show is providing some value to you, then we just ask that you visit loudpipes.net slash donate and participate in our value for value model. It does keep the show going, but also provides additional perks to our riders. And the more we receive in the donations, the more we can do with our production and events and things like that. And we do have a new reward level that's going to be up by the time uh, this this show is out. And the guys in the clubhouse have really stepped up and they want to support the the paid Slack model. So, so we have a new plan uh, simply called the Slack Pack. And what you get is that'll be everything that's at the writer's group level. Plus, you'll also get a full... Um, a full Slack account, and you'll have the the heartwarming feeling of knowing you'll be bringing along five additional riders for our guest accounts and 10 more gigabytes of storage. So that's good stuff. So check that out again. That's loudpipes.net slash donate and check it out. Additional information for this episode, including links and images and mics updated eight days a week can be found on the website, loudpipes.net slash 107. And we have links there to leave us feedback, subscribe to the show, and follow us on social media. Why not? Monsieur Hogan? Si, senor. Would you like to put your kickstand up? Let's do this, Brutus. Okay, Johnny John. Let's go, guys. Be safe. Mike, shut it down. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. And, of course, as always, ride like they're trying to kill you. (laughs) Awesome. Good night. Thank you for listening. Please consider supporting the show. We offer generous rewards for your contribution. Find more details at loudpipes.net forward slash donate. Wait a minute, that's not the right one. I read the wrong one. Where is it? Oh, that's the Wikipedia <laughs> one. Oh, man. Off on the wrong foot. More editing. Shade Tree Mechanic. The beer. Our favorite definition. <laughs> okay, take another switch. Okay, go ahead. Take a hit from the teeth and try again. <laughs> Let me just go get the growler.